eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not going to It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. To episode 60 of the Skate Podcast, Vladimir Sabotka edition, one of the greatest Bruins of all time. I'm Brian D. Felice, joined alongside hey, Scott McLaughlin. Is Sabotka going to make the uh, All Bears Run era team? Well, I mean, if I have a first overall pick, then yeah, probably. <laughs> so Scott just teased it quickly, but yeah, so uh, the brainchild of, of one Scott McLaughlin uh, texted myself from Bridget, who, by the way, is at the Patriots game tonight, so you know, good for her. Um, She's going to. Come back with a scouting report on whether Cam Newton or Mac Jones can be the number two center. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so Scott Scott gave us this idea to do a like a snake draft. Um, basically, the all Bergeron team. So any Boston Bruin that has played for the team since the 03-04 season, essentially, um, will be draft eligible. And it was supposed to be a, a three-person snake draft, and now it's going to be a two-person snake draft. So... Instead of doing three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie, Scott and I are each going to do two forward lines, two deep pairs, and a goalie. So, um, you know, and Scott's going to probably plug it on Twitter and and you know throw shade at my team, regardless of who's on it. But um, it'll, right. it'll, and, and you better bet I'm going to turn into a blog <laughs> and I've got a graphic. Like it'll be put to a vote, so the people have a chance to speak. But before we get to that, obviously, um, you know, Scott, we're, like we were just talking about, we're five weeks away from NHL preseason, so. We're not far from the Bruins hitting the ice again, but we haven't spoken since David Krejci um, announced that he is not retiring, but leaving the organization. Um, but he will be back soon at TD Garden. <laughs> I'll be back. So um, we don't really know what to make of that, but we're going to discuss, I guess, Scott, quickly, 
very quickly, um, in case Krejci does not come back. Maybe just talk about his significance over the last you know dozen years or so to the Bruins. Well, uh, huge, obviously. I, I mean, since really he got elevated into the top six, because remember he's you know third line center at first behind Bergeron and Mark Savard. Ends up getting elevated when Savard gets hurt. What a three-headed monster that was. In the I night. know. I, I, imagine if like if Savard hadn't gotten hurt, you would have continued with that through 09, 10, yeah. 11, possibly longer. Yeah. Like would have been insane. Yep. Um. But yeah, but so Krejci gets elevated, and you end up with two really good centers locked in for a decade, and very few teams have had that. Like obviously, you can look at Pittsburgh; they've got. Crosby and Malkin, which might be the only duo you could argue would be better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can't overstate how, right, just like most sports, like you build your team down the middle. Yeah. And to have two centers that good locked in for that long, it, it, it just allows you to do so much else. And it's like, you know, you end up with this luxury of, like, well, our crazy's wing's good enough. And, yeah, obviously over the last five years or, you know, probably longer five six years yeah he hasn't had good enough wings and that's been a shortcoming of the Bruins um that's where the you know drafting and developing and not really having that next wave comes in because you know trading away Lucic that was a good trade you got really good value for that letting Horton go like understandable but you didn't have the next wave to come in and you know uh really compliment Krejci that that you were hoping you'd eventually find. And that's where you end up constantly trying to trade for guys, sign guys, you know, some kind of work, some don't, Rick Nash. Uh, and then you finally get them this past season with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith. And that's a really good line for the Bruins for a while. And now you're going to lose the center. Um, you know, it's tough. But yeah, I mean, top score on the 2011 playoff run when they win the Cup top scorer again 2013 when they get to the cup final uh just an unbelievable career as a Bruin just you know I mean an all-time Bruin his his number is going to be in the rafters someday and I know that there seemed to be like this like a little bit of a debate on Twitter of like whether that would happen it's like come on what are we talking like look at the other numbers up there and you know we can debate whether it should be more select than it is but you've already set the standard and someone with Krejci's resume is a no-brainer. 46 is going into the rafters. Yeah, and, you know, I think Krejci is maybe hindered by the fact that this core, at least yet, and we don't know, maybe something happened later in the season where he comes back, but this core never got that second cup out of three tries, and I think that if they had, there really wouldn't be a debate. Um, But I agree with you. I mean, you know, top 10 score in team history, I believe, right? Yeah. Like you said, twice led the postseason scoring, and, you know, you mentioned, Scott, the fact that he and Bergeron, you know, Bergeron's been in Boston for like 18 years now, and Ber- uh, Krejci was about 14. So, you know, the Bruins had that luxury of those two guys up the middle as their foundation. And so my frustration with the Bruins recently, and this dates back the last, you know, five, six, seven years, is the fact that they never were prepared for the day that these one of these two guys left. And, you know, they, there should have been some guys in the system and some good draft picks that were groomed by this point to you know, step in. You had one of them in Sagan, you know, obviously years ago, but you got traded him. Um, but so just to, I'll, I'll just jump back for a second. You know, when I think of Krejci, yeah, I mean, 
at times left you wanting more because you knew how good he was. And it's it's baffling how he went so long without... Literally, he went from the 14-15 season after Aginla left um, to this past trade deadline without, like, you know, true top six wingers on his side. And, that, and so for him to play the way he did with that circumstance is great. Imagine if he had that. But um, I think back to the 07-08 season, Scott, when the Bruins hadn't... Chara had been here for a year. Savard had been here for a year. But the Bruins still hadn't... They hadn't made the playoffs since the Joe Thornton era. And it didn't look like it was getting any better when Bergeron got hit by Randy Jones. And he goes down, misses the whole season. Just to, Actually, yeah, I missed the whole season. And out of the woodworks, later in the year, comes this kid, David Krejci, and started to raise some eyebrows against the Canadians that year. Um, you know, when that... that you know, huge game six at the Garden that everybody remembers when they, they forced game seven, eventually lost. But, you know, Marco Sturm, David Krejci, Phil Kessel had huge games. And then that next year he was with Blake Wheeler and Michael Ryder, and that was a phenomenal third line. And then from then on, um, you know, his importance when when it was shown the next year when they lost the Flyers in seven after being up 3-0, when he went down with injury, the Flyers, the door opened. And then obviously the next year they win the Cup. He's a huge part of that, and, and, and the rest is, is history. So, um Great Bruin. I, I agree with you, Scott. You know, definitely, I think, deserves strong consideration for the Raptors. Now, as for moving forward, we talked about last podcast how we really like the Bruins' deadline, but it really depended on, is Krejci coming back? And we talked about how, well, we don't see how they have the money or unless certain things happen. So, you know, you have Felino, Hala, Nosek, and, and, and Forbert on D, but now you don't have Krejci for the time being, and, and, you know, who knows if he's going to. So... I guess we'll start with how do you, how do you like this Bruins team starting the year with the roster as is, and then um, secondarily, I guess what would you put the percentage of him coming back at some point later in the year? Because you talked before the podcast, Cassidy and Sweeney left that door open. Yeah, so I guess you know we we did this last podcast where it's like you have to evaluate if Crazy's there or if he's not. Now it's like still. If he comes back at some point, or if he doesn't, and, you know, so just to touch on, on those quotes from Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy, uh, Don Sweeney said, we're wondering if he may return at some point in time. And then later said, we'll see if somewhere down the road, David Krejci opens the door back up. And he had not been asked about, he had not been specifically asked about whether he thought Krejci might come back or not. Like, he brought that up in the course of other answers. And then Cassidy, in an interview on uh, TSN Radio in Ottawa, actually just this past week, uh, similarly, you know, he was asked directly about it, but says he did not close the door on returning back. I don't know if that'll happen or when it'll happen at all, but he didn't say, I'm retiring and done from the National Hockey League. So that's good news for us in the sense that maybe in a couple of months, he'll feel satisfied with what he needed to do. Or maybe not, right? And so it's like... Look, obviously they know something if they're saying this because they're like they're not just throwing that out there. If Krejci was like, "Yeah, guys, like I'm done," you know, or not even I'm done, but I'm playing in the Czech Republic for the full season, and you know that's where I'm going to spend the year. The fact that they're both saying this, like, "Yeah, maybe he'll come back to us." It's like they they have to be getting that from Krejci. Like he had to have told them maybe I'll be coming back at some point. And there's because his... other, otherwise, like you're kind of almost throwing him under the bus. Where it's like, you know, if Krejci's like over there in the Czech Republic, all nice and peaceful, and I was like, why do they keep saying I might be coming back? Like what's right. going on? 
So there's got to be something there. And then, you know, before those comments from Sweeney and Cassidy, I would have said, like, the chances of him returning were less than 5%. Like, you know, he if he comes back after December 15th, he has to clear waivers, which I think is... I don't know. I would say that it, there's a slim chance of that, but the NHL and general managers can be weird with, like, their unwritten rules and, you know, being gentlemen to each other. Like, that's kind of why we don't see a whole lot of offer sheets on restricted free agents. You know, sometimes they can play probably too nice for their own good, where it's like, if Krejci came back and had to clear waivers, like, yeah, obviously Krejci's going to say, you know, I'm not playing for anyone other than the Bruins, but if you're competing with the Bruins for a playoff spot and you're ahead of them in the waiver order, like, claim them. Block, block the Bruins. Right. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, I get, you know, maybe you want to all stay friends or whatever, but... Well, especially after Tampa's shenanigans last year. You know, like, like yeah. you know, teams teams aren't... They don't want to be, you know, have the wool pull over as again. And does Krejci's check team... Their season ends in March, is what I heard. Early March for the regular season. If they make the playoffs, that could stretch into April. And, and Krejci, in order to be eligible for the NHL playoffs, would have to be signed before the trade deadline which hasn't been announced yet, but will likely be mid to late March. So there'd be a real time crunch if his team made the playoffs, and presumably he was going to play for them. Like, I don't think he's going to go over there and then abandon his team, you know, a week before playoffs or something. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it does make me wonder, though, if maybe he's only playing over there for a few months and he plans on coming back in December. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's odd that Sweeney and Cassie are talking the way they are. Because that even to like to me that even kinda of sends a message to the team that like, well, Critch might come back at some point, so you know, if we get off to a slow start, so what? And right. and it's like, you know, you can't have that mindset and I'm sure there's still good leadership on the team, obviously. I'm sure they're gonna make sure that that isn't creeping in. But your general manager and coach left the door open, so yeah. you know, it's the players see those comments too. Like I'm you know they're not oblivious. Yeah, and another thing worth mentioning, too, is obviously in February of the um, Winter Olympics, and so you know he'll be sitting across, or probably next to, Pashnak in a, in a locker room for the check, and I, you know, I'm sure there'll be some talking there. And Look, I, like you said, like there are some technical reasons as to why it doesn't seem likely, like the clearing waivers and, and the wink-wink, hint-hint, like I'm not playing for you guys, so don't take me. And um, But I don't know. I mean, I guess... I guess I would say I would put it at like fifteen percent, ten percent. That's probably high. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably like about what I'm up to. Now. Yeah, and yeah. and and the other thing too is it's like so. What happens if you know the Bruins play, you know, seventy five percent of their season, maybe more, and Krejci comes back? But like, you know, obviously we would take Krejci back, but we don't know how the team could play out. Like the, the guys on the roster could have great chemistry and have good, a good thing going, and obviously you would take a guy like that back. And he's been in Boston so long, like, I don't think it would be tough for the room to accept it. Like, you know, what's Felino going to say? Like, you know, he, so it, I don't think that would be an issue. I just don't know if it would, if, if it, you know, the circumstances would allow it to happen. Um, but what I will say, Scott, is whether it's Krejci or somebody else, um, as far as the team right now on paper, this is not the team that's going to be contending for a Stanley Cup come next April. I do believe that they'll have to, like, all teams do like assess their team throughout and identify what their ongoing needs are and who they can acquire via trade through the season, like at the deadline or even before that, or um, off of waivers. Who knows? But 
this team currently constituted, I think, is good enough to make the playoffs. So I don't. I'm not gonna harp on them too much on the roster too much right now because I do think things are gonna change. But I do, and I think that this roster is good enough. It'll be tough. It's a tough division. I do think they should be good enough to contend, obviously, for a playoff spot without Krejci. And whether it's Krejci or somebody else at the deadline, whatever we see in in October won't be who we see in April. I guess that's my approach right now as they currently sit. I don't know how you think about the roster right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, they've been a team that's been active at the deadline. Uh, you know, not every move has worked out, but Sweeney's always been in it. Like, he's always been willing to make deals. And if this team is looking like a team that's going to be a playoff team and have a shot, yeah, he'll be looking to upgrade, no no question. Um, but, you know, it's still... It's tough, though, because you generally have more options in the offseason. So if if you if you knew that number two center was going to be a hole, in, at least in theory, addressing it in the offseason would be easier than during the season because you're just more limited. You're more limited in the teams you can trade with. You're more limited in who's available. Uh, you know, you, you're more tied to the cap. You can't move as much money around in season. So... Now, you know, you do kind of free up cap space throughout the season because, you know, whatever. Like, contracts get prorated and whatever. So you end up with some extra space to work with in the, at the trade deadline anyways. Um, but that's tough. Like, if, you know, if Krejci doesn't come back and things don't work out with Coil or anyone else you might cycle through there, uh, that's not going to be easy. Like, that's not going to be an easy position to address. It's generally... It's much easier to find depth in season. Find mm-hmm. find yourself a third liner, find yourself a bottom four defenseman. It's a lot harder to find a top six forward or a top pairing defenseman, which, by the way, could also be a question mark for them, depending on how the left side of the defense plays. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit like last year. Like, last year, that team went into the season with a lot of question marks, especially on defense, and ended up needing to do... A lot at the trade deadline, getting Taylor Hall, Mike Riley, and Curtis Lazar, and I don't know if you can like bank on being able to find, and, and that didn't that didn't win you a cup. That mm. improved you, it gave you a shot. You still ended up getting knocked out in the second round. Mm-hmm. Like you you can't bank on those kind of impact moves being out there, because even if you if, even if you give up the capital in a first round pick or you know top prospect or whatever it is. It could easily end up being Rick Nash or Yamir Yager, where they just never click, and you know you just kind of stuck. Yeah, I mean it's 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 gonna be interesting, and you know I I really hated though that those comments by Sweeney when he said I'm gonna be a center by committee, <laughs> um, because you don't want to stay in the cup like that. But now that I hear these comments, it's almost like he's saying that, and he and Cam and and and, and Cassidy are sitting there saying they're saying that because. They're just they just want to tread water. It's almost like they're saying that because they know Krejci's coming back. And and, and again, it's like well, I mean, it's just a PR move, and they just want people to think they're it, you know they're smarter and they know something, and and people yeah. stop ripping them as much for their off season. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess look, time will tell. Um, I think we all agree, even if Charlie Coyle puts up twenty goals and you know twenty assists or twenty five assists, like you know this. This offense without a true, true number two guy uh, up the middle, um, and we haven't even you know got into really their defensive uh, holes. Like they're just not good enough. And, and look, all marks a question too. Like you know we and Swayman is you know from, I love Swayman. We don't know. So there's a lot of things to figure out. It's going to be a very fascinating season. I remember like 
from what felt like 2009 to like 2013, Scott, like every Bruins offseason had like a couple of tinkering moves, like same core, couple guys in, couple guys out. We signed Stefaniel, see a Stefaniel. We bring in, you know, Steve Bajan, see you later, Steve Bajan. You know what I mean? But this, this going into this season, you have, you know, a lot of turnover. You you lose Kevin Miller, you lose Nick Ritchie, Andre Kasha, Tuka Rask, David Krejci for the time being. Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks. Like Sean Corrali, fourth line center. So um, it'll be interesting to see it play out. Now, one thing you must have been stoked to hear was Bruce Cassidy say he's going to try Derek Forbert with Charlie McAvoy. Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> the one like, thing you said he did, you were like, I don't mind Fulver as a as a third guy, as a third-pairing guy, but I don't want him as a Charlie McAvoy pair. Didn't we just try this where you plug in the guy who can, like, who only does stuff in his own zone and, you know, isn't really going to contribute a whole lot in transition or offensively? Like, didn't we just try that last year, moving Lozano up? And, you know, he was going to be a gift with McAvoy because... Uh, you know, because he's bigger and he's more defensive and mm-hmm. he'll complement them well. And that pairing, like, almost broke even. It was, like, barely a plus pairing last season. Yeah. And it's like, and that's just Charlie McAvoy just being so good that he lifts anyone up. Right. And, like, I don't think Derek Forbert's really a whole lot better than Jeremy Lausanne. Like, to me, that's kind of a wash. What? Maybe slightly better, but, like, now you're going to do the same thing. We're going to move him up. And it's like... I, I don't think he compliments Charlie McAvoy well. I don't think that's the kind of... Like, I think... Thank God for preseason. They'll figure that out pretty soon. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, at least... And look, we know Grizzly McAvoy didn't hold up as well in the playoffs, but, like, at least you know what they can do. Like, at least you see how effective they are in the offensive zone and, you know, how well they at least click there. Yeah. Which can get you a long ways in the regular season, and then you have to hope Grizzly holds up in the playoffs. Um... But yeah, I, I don't love the, I, like, I really don't like the whole, yeah, we're going to stick McAvoy with, you know, defensive defenseman X and because he's big and he can yeah. be physical. And it's like, all right, but then, like, Mac, McAvoy still has to do all the work. Like, he's got to be the one who's going to start the breakout. He's going to get going. And it's, you know, it, when he's with Grizzly, like, like, they can both do that. And yeah. that sharing of duties, I think, makes that so much more effective. Um and you know, look if you could if you could have found an all around defenseman, I don't know Ryan Suter maybe, uh, who's, who is bigger and more mobile and you know can still skate. Jake McCabe, yeah, like player. I think there were guys out there who were better fits. I just I, and look, I don't want to come off like I hate Derek Forbard. I I don't. I think he's solid enough. But like I've said before, on a third pairing, I think he's hey. perfectly solid on a third pairing. There's not a better guy you want to go on a PK with in practice than Derek Forbert. I'll tell you that much. I mean, look, I, that's why when I was brought, talking about Ryan Suter, like people were like, "Oh no, the term sucks. He's washed up." He's like, "Look, guys, you have to understand the situation the Bruins are in. Like, if we're looking at next year and the year after, like he helps them, and that's their window. So like, worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, like the whole the whole team might be in shambles three years from now. So who cares if you have an older guy with a bad? It wasn't even a bad contract. It was a three and a half. Um, but yeah, the money was fine. No, it's yeah. fine. I, I thought that was a, a move to be had. I because re- like you look at like the the true contender Scott and like the Bruins. Every decor has at least two guys. You know what I mean? Like Vegas has Petrangelo and Theodore. Um, you know Tampa f- almost has six, but you know they got Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev. And then you look at the Bruins, and it's just you know you got I mean, even the Islanders. The Islanders, you know, 
Yeah, we're a really good playoff team. Probably not a cup contender until they really shore up their full, you know, explosive offense. But, you know, they have Pelic and Pollock, and Letty was decent for them. Like, Mayfield's a big dude. He's like the second coming of um, Pareko. Then look at the Bruins, and it's like, you know, you got you got McAvoy, who's one of the bright young stars in the game, but it's like, and Grizzlick's good for what he is, but it's, it's, Carlo is good, but he gets hurt. It's just, it, it, so yeah, here comes Derek Forbert. Like, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um... I guess one other, um, actually, one other thing on the Krejci thing, Scott. I want people to start using Bill Belichick's advice. What's Bill Belichick's advice? What's his slogan? Do your job. Do your job. I need to stop seeing so many people on Twitter trying to be Bob McKenzie. There's only one Bob McKenzie, okay? And there's only one Darren Drager. And go down the list, Elliot Friedman. I can no longer see these guys... These local guys trying to break news. Whatever happened to... The, I'm hearing the Bruins and David Krejci are closing on a two-year deal. Or whatever the hell that was. Like, who are these people hearing shit from? And by the way, unless you're 100% positive, 110% positive, please do not get everybody's hopes up. Because I don't need to see all these people trying to be, you know, TSN, you know, reporters. Just please, knock it off. Because, <laughs> because clearly, that was that was not true. I mean, quite. it sounds like according to Cassie's comments, that the Bruins knew after the season right away. And it was all gamesmanship going into free agency that they didn't that they kept it tight to their to their, their vest. Yeah. But he wasn't coming back. So who's telling who's telling, you know, Joe Schmo in the street, you know, Creech's coming back. Shame on him and shame on shame <laughs> on the other guy too. I know, I think that was like What the hell? That was almost like just kind of group thing where like I'm sure there were agents, scouts, whoever you're like, oh yeah, like of course he's gonna be back with the Bruins. Like, come on now, n- no, no question. And come on now. can't break that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, you gotta be sure. Clearly, in, in retrospect, it, yeah, some some people missed, and there were a couple locally. That, there was one uh, national reporter who had it like as an almost done deal too. So, yeah, yeah. obviously, you know, someone out there was giving out bad information. People are going with it, mm-hmm. but um, the only the only the only non quote unquote insider. That I that I, when there's smoke, there's fire. When he says something, is Bouchergras. He knows. He yeah. knows. He's not an, he's not an insider, but when he 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 tweets stuff out and some and, and some funny emojis and makes people kind of guess what he means. But then you know a few minutes later, a few hours later, what he said comes to fruition. You know, actually, you know who locally could have gone in on being an insider? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Am I looking at him? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> actually, hold on. Let me look behind in the studio. Is he in studio? No, he's not here. But, but Lou Maloney, actually. Oh, Lou, yeah? Lou, like, kind of slyly hinted a couple times that the Bruins already knew Krejci was gone. And this was, like, before free agency started. Mm. He just sort of, like, slipped it in, like, during the show a few times. Mm. And it was, like, like it, it caught my interest because I was like, hmm, what, what does Lou know? How is how is Greg Hill not an insider? I mean, the, the guy the guys you know shaking know, hands and kissing babies everywhere in Boston. Davio's, he's sitting there <laughs> chirping everybody's ear off. Like, come on, Greg, you know, let us know a little bit. You're hearing something. <laughs> guy talks to Tuca all the time and then just doesn't really say exactly what it is that Tuca told him. Um, nice cliffhanger. T- Tuca, man, man, of, man of the concerts. Oh yeah, he's, yeah. he's in, he's not looking like he's in any rush to get to, to get back to the grind of training. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still limping around. He's he you know, is, a few he weeks is. out from surgery. He is. But he is. Uh, yeah, he's at Guns N' Roses, Zach Brown Band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, Scott, before we get into your draft, uh, the final I guess piece of Bruins news we talked about earlier: the Bruins signed 
Fabian Lysel to an entry level contract. You know, any any significance there? You think we see him in, in, in Boston any point this year, maybe? Injuries, it, who knows? Uh, possible if he really, really impresses. But, like, it, they're obviously not going to rush it, so he's got to really show that he's taking, like, a huge step forward. Because, remember, he, he struggled in, in Sweden's top league last year. Yeah. Three, three points in 26 games. Now, he was 18. That was his first t- taste of professional action. Like, no shame in that. That's fine. Um... But, you know, I saw some people kind of make the comparison to David Pasternak because, mm. right, that's the path. Pasternak played in Sweden in his draft year. They didn't really light it up either. P- picked in the 20s, comes over, and ends up breaking into the NHL in just a couple months after, mm. you know, playing well in Providence. Um, but even that, Pasternak scored more in Sweden than Lysel yeah, did. And, so. and Pasta also, if you remember Scott, like, he, he burst onto the scene... And he played, like, whatever it was, like, 30, 40 games and had, like, maybe 20-plus points. But that following season, I know he had a, an ankle injury that set him back. And, but his sophomore season was kind of um, injury-prone. But he, he didn't really have that first 30-goal season until, like, his second or third full season. Yeah. Um, and when he did, you know, he just never went back. But, um, you know, and speaking of NHL insiders, Lysel is looking to be the first player-insider combination at the same time because he broke his contract <laughs> before right. the Bruins were able to break it. Um, Way yeah. to build that Instagram following. That's, yeah, that's what you do. This, I'm telling you, I'm look, this, this kid's a cocky mother. I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm looking at his picture on the Bruins thing. and just He's got that smirk like, yeah, I'll be making bank in two years. Don't worry about it. Three years, I guess. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I, you know, but it, in terms of like what it means, like it is interesting because... I think there had been some thought that he'd spend another year in Sweden, get more comfortable there, and then come over. Yeah. But obviously, you know, Bruins decided they want to get him into into the North American game, get him to their system, you know, have him, presumably he'll be at training camp. He was not at development camp due to, like, uh, COVID protocols. Yeah. Uh, younger people in Sweden haven't really been able to get the vaccine yet, so none of the Bruins' Swedish draft picks were able to get over and get cleared on time. Yeah. Um, but I would assume he'll be at training camp. And, you know, look, the safe bet would be that he's going to start in Providence and probably maybe spend the whole year there. But it's also possible that they can send him to the WHL and he'll play Canadian Major Juniors. Uh, the Vancouver Giants own his rights there. Um, and, you know, if the Bruins do that, people shouldn't look at that as, like, oh, that's disappointing. Like, he couldn't even make Providence. It's like, in reality, like, that's probably about the level he should be at. Like, you know, if you're talking, like, put up over a point per game in Sweden's Junior League, struggled in Sweden's Pro League, if he went off to the WHL, like, I'd expect him to to be a really good scorer there and put up points. And that might be good for him. Like, you know, if he's in Providence, maybe he's not, maybe he's playing lower in the lineup, not putting up points, but, you know trying to develop his game, work in all areas, but it might be good for him to go out to Vancouver and, you know, light it up and put up a bunch of points. Like, that that might be what he needs to kind of maybe find that part of his game, so. Yeah, and there's really no room on him on the roster right now for him. I mean, like Scott said, if, if he, you know, lights it up, then, you know, it's there's a case to be made. But you look down the right side and you have, you have Pashnak and, and uh, Craig Smith and Felino will be on his offside most likely, and so... You know, those are veteran guys that have proven, and, um, like, unless there's injuries and, and co- coinciding with Lysel really doing well, I think for him, the preseason will probably dictate maybe if they send him to Vancouver, which, by the way, is where Lucic played his juniors and won a Memorial Cup. Um, 
I think it was in the World Cup, maybe something else. But anyway, um, so maybe if in the preseason, if he's doing really well, they might say, maybe we'll put him in Providence. But if he struggles, maybe then they'll, they'll send him down to juniors, which I didn't know was a possibility. Scott told me that before. Uh, I hear entry of a contract, I, I, I think, two-way between Boston and Providence, but they he is allowed to go down to um, his, the junior team that has his rights. Uh, w- any other thoughts before we get into your uh, your draft? No, I think uh, I think we're ready to draft. All right. So what what made you think of this? Just a, I mean, you texted it, and I was like, "That's fun. that's fun." Like I'm I'm down for that. And now that it's just two of us, it's going to be a little bit more competitive. But um, yeah, it's a great idea, and and, and especially because you know, like I said earlier, Bergeron's been in Boston since uh, 2003 of Octo- October of 03 was his rookie year. So it's a lot of Bruins, a lot of great teams, and a lot of Hall of Famers have come through uh, Causeway Street in Bergeron's tenure. So it should yeah. be fun. But w- what made you think of that? Uh, so, like, I mean, the idea of, like, drafting stuff on a podcast is obviously not original. Like, I listen to, no. pop, I listen to pop culture <laughs> podcasts where, you know, people draft movies, songs, whatever. So, um, yeah, so, like, it's always, you know, kind of been on my mind. And then you get the NHL draft. I'm, I don't know about you. I'm starting to think about fantasy football drafts. I'm in too many so leagues. So, I, I just have drafts on my mind. And, like, you know, look, it's kind of the... We've kind of moved past the exciting part of the off season. Everything's slowed down, so you know, tried to think of something creative, fun to do, and uh, this seemed like a good idea. And you know, obviously Bridget didn't like it. She she decided to abandon <laughs> us. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, seriously. It, actually, it kind of interesting because like now you know, we're we sort of had the we had the just strategies here at the last minute because it was going to be three people. And I think that changes the strategy a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, find out just a few hours ago, uh, you know, Bridget's going to go into Patriots instead. So, like... Yeah. She was like, oh, snake draft? Yeah, I'll see you at the Patriots. <laughs> Good idea, Scott. Yeah, so... Uh, All right. You know, so just, I guess, just to lay out sort of the, the rules for people is we're going to draft two lines of forwards, two defense pairings, one goalie each. Um, positions matter, so, you know, you can't... Can't do like an all-star Olympic team. Just load up on centers and move them to the wing. You gotta have your left wing, center, right wing, left wing, center, right wing, and we're f- sticking to what these guys did with the Bruins during the Bergeron era. So, you know, no taking like Jerome McGinley's entire career or Yager's entire career. Like you're you're getting what they were with the Bruins. Um, so you know, so that adds a little bit to it, obviously. Um, and then also, like, guys who overlapped with pre-Bergeron era into the Bergeron era, you're just getting the Bergeron era part of it. So, you know, if you want to take Joe Thornton, you're only getting, like, less than a season and a half. By the way, it was an MVP season, though, so take it easy there, Scott. That'd be a great Well, pick. yeah, a couple, they, they, a couple months of an MVP season no, in what Boston. Else? So, 0304, he was probably 90-plus points, and then 0506. 70-something, and Three oh four, yeah. But oh, but oh, five and six. He's still MVP caliber play when they traded him. So yeah, yeah. He, then he had, he had thirty three points in twenty three games when they traded him. Yeah, awful and, trade. But then, but then you know the butterfly effect. Obviously, they end up winning a cup six years later, five years later. So. It's it's amazing how many stars they've traded away without getting good returns and remains competitive. What like, you, you didn't like Matt Frazier? <laughs> <laughs> Joe mean, Joe Morrow Joe Morrow. Like. Yeah, it, you know, Kessel's one they get a good return for. Then they end up trading Sagan and Hamilton and getting very little in return. Like, that would have been awesome if they keep both of them. That's a tremendous return yeah. for Kessel. 
you know, the whole thank you Kessel era. Yeah. Then you turn that into almost nothing. The the one piece you would have had that would have looked nice these last few years, Riley Smith. Oh, but who'd they trade him for? Uh, I think that was uh, Boston's own Jimmy Hayes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Great trade. <laughs> Great trade. Yep. That was that was phenomenal. Kid puts up eight points at the Blackhawks and 20 with the Panthers, and then the Bruins are like, oh, yeah, he's the next, you know, power. He's the next Wayne Fremo. <laughs> next Eric Lindros, Jimmy Hayes. No, all due respect. I mean, good kid, but just poor trade. Honestly, Riley Smith was, I know he struggled his last year here, but he was like, he was really good on the power play. Um, you know, set up that backdoor pass all the time to, was it Soderberg? <laughs> remember the Soderberg era? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, he was, he was, I remember the exact player you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, he was, he, was, he was decent. I mean, he was like a 20, whatever. We all know how he turned out. All right, we digress. So, we're going to figure out who goes. So, it's going to be a snake draft, obviously, so that's self-explanatory. And we are going to figure out who goes first by what? Rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, let's do it. Best of one? Best of one. All right. Rock, paper, scissors. All right. Scott is going first. Rock over scissors, so I got first pick. Whew, all right. Well, I'm going to take the guy that this is named after and go with Patrice Bergeron, number one overall. Look, that that's who you want to build your team around. That's who the oh, Bruins goodness. have built their team around. You get everything. You get your first-line center. Power play, penalty kill, mm. you know, use them in attacking situations, use them as a shutdown center. Does it all, team leader. Don't need to explain any more than that. All right. Good pick, Scott. Um, real original. So I'm going to go, um, you know, I'm looking at this strategically, of course, and, you know, there's only so many players to choose from in, in this era, and there's a lot of good ones, but certain certain positions, Scotty, they, they lack depth, and... Um, you know, defense wins championships. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the the right side here. I'm gonna draft Charlie McAvoy Ooh. as my top right-handed defenseman uh, with my first overall pick. And the snake, I am going to also go with a position I feel like is a little. Uh... Ooh, actually, oh boy. Mm. <laughs> okay. Oh, damn it. Ah, uh, she. I'm changing my strategy now. Last second. All right. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm taking third overall. Lideno. Chara. Oh, man. Czechoslovakia. You know, I was thinking about something like that. Like if, you know, loading up on, on one position like that. Because, yeah, look, you've got the, the two best defensemen of this era now. So right. i gotta, I got to play some catch up there when I get and to I'm that thinking, And players. I'm thinking like 20, I'm thinking like 2009 to 2011 Chara right there. I mean, that's a, oof, okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, I'm going to load up at center and take David Krejci. <laughs> so I've got I've got the top two centers of this era. I've got, uh, eh, we'll see. I've got the, the <laughs> we'll longevity. I've got my, my clutch playoff crutch now. Mm-hmm. Always steps up when it matters. Happily line him up right behind Bergeron, where, he's, where they've been for a while now. And then... Look, I've got Bergeron. I've got to get Marchand. Sure. Put him next to him, so I'll go with that. Brad Marchand. All right. All right, Scotty. Okay. So, Scott kind of made it a little bit easier for me because he took... Uh, he has no more centers to take, so I can just chill with that for a little bit. Um, my third pick is going to be who I believe 
will be the greatest goal scorer in franchise history when all set, is said and done, and that is going to be right wing David Pasternak. Solid. And my fourth pick is going to be my number one center, number ninety one, Mark Savard. Yep. I mean, talk about talk about a dynamic duo right there. The the setups to that man, Savard to Pasta. Oh my goodness! Come on now, Scott. That's pretty filthy. No, no question. No question. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. All right. I will go with. Scott is shaking his boots right now. Shaking his skates. No, I'm trying to just trying to figure out what I want to do here. All right. Well, I'm going to round out my top line and go with right wing. Nathan Horton. Uh, you know, not a ton of longevity, but, man, you need someone to score some clutch goals. Mm. 2011, Game 5 against Montreal. Game 7 against Montreal. Lone goal in Game 7 against Tampa. Uh, dude just stepped up and was a, a very good top-line right wing because that was the top line at the time. Lucic, Krejci, Horton. Uh Looks like I'm lining him up with Martian and Bergeron, but that's fine. I'll find other wings for Krejci. So I get Nathan Horton, and then on the snake, I uh, think i got to start addressing defense here. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. And I will go with Dennis Seidenberg. Oh, my goodness. The German uh, Brickhouse. Yep, as, as good, other than Char, as good a lockdown defenseman as the Bruins have had in this era. 27, min 27 minutes a night, the 2011 Cup run. Put him next to Char, you know, shut down pairing there. Uh, was one of those, you know, at the time was kind of like a little under the radar acquisition. Like, you know, it seemed like like a good addition, but not like, you know, it wasn't a huge splash. And he just turned into, you know, could play on your top pairing, second pairing, left side, right side, didn't matter. Uh, just consistent shutdown guy, so that is where I'll start my defense. And I guess, so should, do I have to specify which side I'm putting him on? Um, Seidenberg? Hold yeah. on, so was that your second pick of the snake or your first? That was the second of my snake. Alright, so I'm up, I'm up next? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want him on the left side, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, I'll put him on the right side. Alright. Alright, so I'm, I'm up with my what is it, my sixth pick. So to, to complete my... Fifth? I think fifth? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. So to complete my starting my starting five, um, I am going to go on the left wing to complement the playmaking, the ninety-five plus point saucer pass playmaking marks of art, and the elite. Elite all-world goal scorer in David What's this guy talking on his team? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta create some space for them out there. And I'm gonna go with number 17, Milan Lucic on the left. All right. And then I am going to um, go with. Oh boy. All right. Um, let me see my depth chart here. So then my next pick. I am going to go where I also feel like there is. Some a lack of depth. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go left wing Taylor Hall. I'm stacking up on the left. Ooh. Yep. All right. The best is yet little, to come for him. 
All right, so, you know, gotta, gotta judge them off only a couple months. I would, hey, look I, at the names, man. This I is would, a stacked lineup. I would remind people a little quiet in the playoffs, Taylor Hall. Okay. All right, well. <laughs> just, just keep that in mind. We'll see how your second line's looking, bud. So All take right. it easy. Yeah. Take it easy there, Blake Wheeler. Ooh, All actually, right. how about he be away? I I forgot Wheeler. He didn't go in the take. Damn. Ah, but not 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 up the not up the not up the Bruins anymore. Yeah. Not up the Bruins anymore. Um. All right. I am going to go. I'm going to go with double defense. Uh, sending out my left side here. Mm-hmm. I will go with Tory Krug. Nice. Uh. Arguably the best offensive defenseman the Bruins have had in this era. Sure. Elite power play quarterback. Sure. A little and, small, a little undersized, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And uh, behind him, I will go with steady, consistent, top four minute team leader, Andrew Ferentz. Ooh. Fernuckle. All right. Yep. Need anyone to flip off Canadians fans? He's oh, a guy. For sure. All right. So, like I said, I don't. I can hold off on my second line center because you already took. Um, your two centers. So I'm going to. Um, ooh, all right. So right wing, I'm going to go with Tyler Sagan as my second line right wing. Okay. Pashnak Sagan, pretty decent, like right side. Um, and then uh, I am going to take with my next pick. Right defense, Johnny Boychuk. Solid. Let's see. Let's see where we're at here. Let me. Uh... Now you're gonna you're gonna type all this out and, and put it on Twitter, right? Yep. Nice, nice and neat, nice and organized. Yep. Beautiful. Do 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 do. All right. Uh, let me just figure out what wing I want this guy on. Yeah. Why not? Take your time. The season doesn't start for you know eight weeks. That's right. Uh, all right. I'm gonna. For my second line left wing, uh, played in the top six on a cup team. A few really solid seasons here late in his career. Uh, alternate captain, great leadership. Wrecking ball, Mark Recchi. Mm, I like Recchi. Good guy. Solid guy. Local guy. Not really. <laughs> not local to here, but local to uh, where he's from. And on the snake... So this would have had I had the first pick in a three-person draft. This would have been my first overall pick mm. because it would have been the position that drops off the quickest to a third. Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with my goalie, yep. and I will take two-time Vezina Trophy winner, Con Smythe Trophy winner, Tim Thomas. Damn. That's the first pick that you've chosen, or you kind of took my guy. I uh, similarly, I was. How many syllables is that one? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was going to take uh, Timmy in my next uh, sneak as well because, like I said, my second line center, I can take the last overall pick. So I guess it, it comes between Ray Croft and, and Tuca for me. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm leaving the Razor. <laughs> uh, or, hey, hey, maybe I'll take the future, James Slavin. <laughs> Um, all right. This would be incredible if we have a two-person draft and one of the goals is not too harassed. <laughs> all right. Um, two guys at Vezna, right? 
He has one? Yeah. Alright. Uh, so, I'm gonna... This is gonna be... This is a wild card, Scott. And I was gonna pair this guy up with Charlie McAvoy on the left side. But then I took Char because he was available. Now, this guy was only in Boston for about 60 games. Okay? But he had 32 points. And, in, in fact, they were the final 32 points of his career. So, he was over a half a point per game player when he laced him up. And, um... You know, I have Charlie McAvoy, the uh, future of, of uh, USA hockey on defense. I'm going to take the past, and quite frankly, the greatest American defenseman of all time, I'm going to take Brian Leach. <laughs> I'm going to take Brian Leach. I was, wonder, I was wondering if he'd go. I'm going to take Brian Leach as my second left-shot defenseman. Now, like I said, he's one of the greatest defensemen of all time, especially American-born players. He was only in Boston for a cup of coffee, but he had over half a point per game and, uh, yeah, he's making my left side because Sergey Gonchar is not. Um, so I'm going to take Brian Leach, and then I'm going to take, well, I guess you know, I'll take Tuca. All right. Uh... Now now that we have our guys selected pretty much, are we able to, like, tinker with the lines? Or we, it has to go as, as they're drafted. Right? Uh, I mean, I guess technically you could adjust if you want. So I got to, all right, so my... Last two picks here on the snake. I gotta get my second right wing and second right shot defenseman. Let's see what I want to do here. So I'll say like there's some temptation to go with you know some guys who flashed quickly and uh, moved on, but my second right wing, and I might end up flipping these wings because they both played off wings. But I really want to go with a guy who stepped up in the playoffs, was a glue guy on the cup team, part of two really good third lines. I'm going with Michael Ryder. Ooh, Ryder's a good one. <laughs> Michael Ryder. Yes, sir. Uh, also, <laughs> he talked like a <laughs> California stoner. Well, no, yeah, he, I mean, he's got an incredible uh, Newfoundland accent. Um also had an overtime goal in that Canadian series in 2011. Great save, too. He made the, the glove save of this whole era. Mm. And my right shot defenseman... Uh, uh, I'll go with someone recent who has emerged as a, as a real kind of core player. Wore the A for a few games last year. Has some injury concerns, but you know what? Really good when he's healthy, I'll go with Brandon Carlo. Yeah, I mean, for me, on the right side, for my second defenseman, it was either him or uh, Boychuk. But, uh, you know, I just think Johnny's a more accomplished player, and in his, you know, he's, he was filthy, and obviously a cup winner. Um, so, yeah, so i got to round up my uh, my um, my team now. And my second line center will be um, Joe Thornton. So, so that's for, for voting purposes, let's point out, that, you know, as we mentioned, you get less than a, a year and a half of Thornton, but still solid. You get that seventy-three points in the start of an MVP season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You yes. get the the disappointing playoffs when he was battling injury that led sure. to led to you know everyone trying to run him out of town. Look, Scott, l- l- we'll let the people decide. I mean, I'm looking at my team, and I can't tell if it's you know a Bergeron draft or you know two all two All Star line. I just don't know. It's an All Star team. I look at you, look, ah, Scotty, your top pair. Is your top pair, pair of Ferentz and, and Sides? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough yeah. pair. Ah, 
we'll, we'll call it that. I'll put and then you got, with Carlo. Then you Carlo. Yeah. All right, well, defense wins championships and defense wins snake drafts, I think. So, um, you know, full disclosure, if I had to give my, my um, the pick I, I wish I you know didn't have to make, it's between the pipes. You know, I really wish I had the character that Timmy Thomas had and the guy's just a, the guy gave everything and um, fucking Scotty. Scott, <laughs> Scotty just, you know, he knew. He knew I was going to take him, I think. He knew he had to go. With, he, he was he was, he was trying to lack yeah, on defense there. I was trying to weigh the right, time, the right time to yeah, make that move. Yeah. And it, it's fun, too, because I think, for me, the gap between Thomas and Rask is a lot less than it is for you, so I knew that was going to pain you. Yeah. No, oh, no, look, all joking aside, like, I, I'm... I, over his career, Tuca's been a you know great. He's he'll go down as you know probably the greatest Bruins goalie in history, strictly by the numbers. Um, so obviously I'm not upset with that pick, but you know Timmy obviously brought the cup back. So Scott, I guess we'll just verbally read off our lineups real quick, and then um, you know, obviously you'll post them afterwards. So why don't you why don't you go first? Yeah, so I'll you know since we're talking about kind of moving lines around a little bit, uh, I'll reunite the the 2011. Cup line of Marshan Bergeron Recchi. And then I'll go uh, kind of splitting two Krejci lines. I'll put him with uh, Ryder, Krejci, Horton as my second line. And then on defense, order them however you want. But yeah, we'll say Ferentz and Seidenberg together, Krug and Carlo hey, together. When they're all fourth defensemen, <laughs> what, what does no, it matter? Come on, these are all two, two three defensemen. This is solid. Oh my goodness. This is a solid group. Yep, yep, yep. And then, and then who's, who's between the Tim Thomas. Timmy T. Alright, so um Scott, please make the slight adjustment I'm going to when I do this. So my top line is going to be Mark Savard, centering Milan Lucic on the left, David Pashnak on the right. Um in my opinion, just a far better version of the Savard, Lucic, and Kessel combination that was back in 09. Then my second line is Joe Thornton, centering Taylor Hall on the left and Tyler Sagan on the right. So Joe Thornton. Jumbo Joe centering the 2010 NHL draft, top two picks, not a big deal. And then this is where the adjustment comes. I'm going to split up Chucky and, and, and Z just because I want that, that you know, um, depth on, on D. And I also think that Brian Leach's mobility uh, and puck movement along with McAvoy's would just be, oh my goodness, you got the, you got the top two American defensemen of all time, no offense to Tory Krug and Brendan Carlo. Um, then my second pair will be Chara on the left, Johnny Boychuk on the right. An unbelievable shutdown pair with a Johnny Rocket mix in and a chocolate shake. And then I'm going to have Tukarask in that. But it's a short leash. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short <laughs> leash, and I'm going to Swayman. <laughs> so that's that. That's my lineup. So yeah. So this, this will be be interesting to see how people vote because you you clearly went for like the. The, the ringers, the guy just guy just brought in here short time. Like I wouldn't say that. I would say I, I I would say that I went into this draft knowing that there would be more great forwards to choose from than defensemen. And like I knew by taking uh, McAvoy and and Chara, it was gonna be McAvoy and Pashnak. But I, I knew by taking those two, and you took Bergeron first. So I was like, all right. So Bergeron's already gone. I wasn't gonna take him anyway because like I said, you have Bergeron. Krejci, Savard, and Thornton, like, doesn't really matter. Like, that that's yeah, insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just kind of went defense first, and I just knew there'd be options. And if I had to, you know, go with, like, a, you know, a Yager and a Ginla, which you went with, the, with a Ginla. I was going to go with him, too, but I kind of went for youth and speed alongside those uh, veteran centermen. 
So anyway, so that's uh, th that's our snake draft. I think it was fun. I think, you know, if Bridget were here and it was three of us, you know, it would have been a little less to choose from. And I don't think the rosters would have been as good. So whatever. But the, the two-man snake draft made it pretty competitive. So we each had half a team out there. Any Anyone you surprised wasn't drafted or yeah. anyone you're really thinking about? Yeah. So, um, well, yeah. I mean, I guess... I guess Yager would be one. I guess I'll look at my depth chart. I mean, Sergey Gonchar on, on left D was a decent option. Um, Dougie Hamilton, again, like, soft as toilet paper, but, like, you know, it's, if for a snake draft, he would have been, you know, a good choice. Um, yeah. I guess Pettering Okalainen was a shocker. <laughs> for me, like, in the same... Kessel, Rick Nash. Yeah. Marco Sturm was one I was going to take. I like Sturm as yeah. a real core guy. And, yeah, but know, he's not cracking really my top years. two left wings. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got to be Lucic and... and um, and, and Hall, I mean, but Sturm was great. Honestly, kind of a quiet exit from, from, from Boston, if you recall. I mean, he was here during the beginning of that 2011 championship team, wasn't he? And then he got... Did he move that offseason? He went to L.A. Maybe he did. Maybe he yeah, did. Yeah, I think it was that offseason. But he was great. I mean, like like that, that, 0, that 08, 07, 08. And he was even here before that, too. Like, like it, it, At first, it was like Bergeron, pre-concussion, Marco Sturm, Brad Boyce. For whatever reason, like that combination was filthy, yeah. And then it kind of you know altered to like Sturm and Krejci a bit, and uh, yeah, I mean he was, he was a good player. Um, I guess all the good defensemen were taken, and then center wise, no surprises really. I mean, with two people, it was kind of obvious. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, like like I said, like for me the especially at my second right wing came down to you know the short flash, probably higher peak of. In a Ginla, who had a 30-goal season. Mm. Castle had a 60-point season. Um, and Castle had a good playoff run in 09. Yeah, he was, yeah. He, he was a good Bruin. Like, I, he had locker room issues, I believe. But, like, production-wise, he wasn't he wasn't, he wasn't wasn't an issue. Like, when they lost to Carolina that year in 09, it was a massive underachievement. Um, but he he showed up in that series. Yeah. He showed up against the Canadians and stuff. I think uh, another player that could have gone, because, again, we're talking strictly as a Bruin. You know, at right wing, like all joking aside, like Louis Erickson, I think scored like fifty goals in two and a half yeah. seasons, whatever I mean, he, it was. He like, the, was decent. At least had one really good season. Yeah. yeah, and he had injuries and stuff, so he was he had at least one thirty goal year, and then another was probably low twenties. But he was again, if it was if there was more people here doing a snake draft, then he would probably have gotten picked. Maybe if even Bridget were here, the three of us. So I'm confident with my team. I guess we'll see how Twitter decides. Um, you know, I mean, you got you got the best left winger, that's for sure, Scott. And you have the best center, um, two-way center at least. But I don't know. I like my team after that. Got the, the best goalie, best power play quarterback. I'm oh, I don't know. Did Did you read my blogs this past season about Chucky on the PP? Come I've on. Got, it, nine of my eleven. My nine of my eleven won a cup. I've, I've, got, I've got some winners. Yeah, here. that's okay. But this is this is not a real team. <laughs> this, sure it is. This is like this is a little all-star draft. So we'll see. We'll see. How, I got a video game team, so we'll see if, if Twitter likes the video games or not. I mean, honestly, I look. I'm not, at... I'm not, I'm not looking for the best players, Brian. I'm looking for the <laughs> right players. Yeah, easy there, Herb. <laughs> um, the Nick manager wants to lock up. Um, all right, I'm good, Scott. I don't know if there's anything you want to touch on before we no, go. No, no, I'm good. I mean, yeah. Jesus, man, I got Mark Savard and Joe Thornton one, two. The no, no disrespect to David Krejci, the two best dishers that I've ever wore the spoke to be. You got it. Come on now, come on. Knock it off. All right. right. I've got the core. <laughs> yeah, you got the core. You got the core. You got you got two-thirds of the of the perfection line, and you got Fernuckel in, in the German Brickhouse, Dennis Seidenberg. 
But, uh, and you have, uh, see, Scott, honestly, I'm looking at your right side. See, I don't, I'm, I'm looking at the chemistry on your team, and I don't like that chemistry between Horton and Aginla, because, you know, we all know that... I don't have a, I have Ryder. Well, but I'm probably flipping Recky over, so... True. I've got Marshall Bird and Recky. I'm just saying, chemistry. you have Aginla and Horton looking across each other in the locker room, like, they, 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 they traded fists in 13 when, when Horton knew that they you wanted to... Aginla. I don't have Aginla. You don't have Aginla? No. Why did I tip Aginla? I don't know. Oh. I didn't take him, though. I got Ryder. Ryder wouldn't be the guy you're missing on, uh, on my team. My bad. All right, well, then, I, tip of the cap to you. You knew that that would have been a locker room issue, so I guess that's why you didn't take it again, though. I also couldn't take Sagan for that reason. <laughs> um. <laughs> on that note. <clears throat> All right, so that'll do it for episode uh, 60 of the Skate Podcast. Now, Scott, preseason starts in five weeks. Probably, unless something big happens, we won't reconvene until then. Um, we probably, probably after Labor Day, I would okay. say. Because, right. So we got a couple podcast vacations we're cycling through here. I've got uh, Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon coming up. That'll take some, some time for, for me. So, yeah, so a little busy going on here. But like Brian said, something big comes up, we'll do something. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, we'll probably be back after Labor Day. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and um, we will talk to you guys very soon. Take care.